Welcome to Cowboy Ed, where we just like to get on the horses and ride around talking about education. How you doing out there, Maya? Doing well today. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, today's conversation is, you know, it's kind of one of those ones that gets the horses all excited. This this is kind of a two-parter. We've got some experts coming in next week to give us a different perspective on some research and, and those things. But, you know, maybe this is a shake the hornet's nest kind of episode. We're going to talk about SEL and social emotional learning and how this is became very catchy in the world of education. And so most of our listeners out there, when we think about social emotional learning or, or that catchphrase SEL, we think about it even kind of like, well, it's kind of caught fire since COVID and more people are worried about it because kids weren't in school and they weren't seeing counselors and 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 all of that. But but the truth of the matter is we, we, we have to go back to the, the Every Student Succeeds Act in 2015 when we took schools and we turned it uh, away from the race to the top and it wasn't all about testing that they changed the guidelines for how schools if you will could be accountable and that there could be different measures of accountability and that these other things could be added into the grades of school so some of our listeners maybe even myself thinking back to my first and second and you know elementary days and and in my I'm sure you can you know, confer with that. On our report cards, we had little check boxes that said that were, in essence, if we were going to look back, you know, I'll say, why don't we just say five years ago when we were in elementary school? It just sounds better. But if you look back, there was little check boxes that said about essentially social emotional learning, like student is attentive in class, student is nice to his classmates. Student, do you do you remember those little boxes on the report card? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it you know, it looked at learning as a bigger picture than just, you know, how well did you do on a math test? With that, social emotional, this idea of being a good person, the skills to be a good person really have been around in education for a long time. I mean, probably as long as education has been. But the formalizing of the curriculum, the formalizing of what should be taught or how people should be taught is where this debate has suddenly gone and potentially where the debate has became controversial. And, you know, if you look at, you know, we, we've got, we'll throw in a bunch of articles to, to give you an idea of some background on social emotional learning if you, if you don't have that. But when we think about it, there are, are lots of angles on this from, you know, how, how should students, you know, talk and interact with each other, how they should respond when people um, treat them poorly or how they should treat people, all those kind of things. And I, I still, I kind of shake my head about this. We've given it a new name, but don't they, does college still have that intro to public speaking class, Maya? Oh, for sure. I, I think that's a torture class, but yes, they do. Yeah, and so w this social emotional learning has kind of been in there again, embedded throughout our curriculum, throughout teaching forever. And now we're just we're giving it a name. We're giving it a name and formalizing it. And now suddenly people are 
you know, a little bit more interested, maybe a little bit more excited. Uh, it, it's kind of a tricky thing. So I'll just, let's go right down this path by it. Teachers have a lot to do. Reading, writing, math, getting kids to understand all this. We've all been taught, you teach your kids. It's about the relationships. But are teachers ready? Do we want teachers teaching about the relationships? Well, I think we want teachers prepared to make relationships, right? And part of that is being able to work with our students to build those skills to have good relationships. And, you know, if you look at the curriculum of most of the social emotional learning programs that you can bring into your school, they're talking about exactly that. How do you build a healthy relationship? How do you develop your own personal well-being or make decisions about, you know, your own time or, you know, I don't know, one thing like teachers, right, could probably learn by practicing, right? How When do you say no to something because you're, you know, overloaded with something else, right? Self-awareness, um, you know, communication skills, all of those go into social-emotional learning curricula. And it's really formalize some of those things that you were talking about with the checkboxes, you know, that were kind of organic or in that hidden curriculum space in our classrooms. And it it's brought it, you know, to a more formal space by having a social emotional learning curriculum, but it's it's not doing anything different than we have for years and years. And like you said, it's just kind of reframed or or named differently now. But most of our pre-service teachers, if you talk to them and you say, why do you want to be a teacher? It's because of those relationships with the kids. And, you know, your question was really, are they prepared? And I don't know that any teacher is prepared to walk into today's context of teaching. And I think that's something we have to work on because everything's evolving. But, you know, they want to be able to do this kind of work with their students. I, I agree. And and I think at, at its core, we do agree that, I mean, I think everybody out there on all sides of this debate would agree that kids need extra social emotional assistance. And, and we could have a whole nother, I don't know, a whole nother series on why. I mean, whether it's parents are working more or uh, single parent families or grandparent ran family. I mean, we could, there's lots of issues to why kids need more social, emotional support, as well as why adults do. But in that sense of agreeing with that, it, it kind of co comes back, you know, when you're on the horse and you're riding around, you, you start to make comparisons. And so this was the comparison as I was, you know, chewing on that piece of wheat as we were driving, you know, driving the horses. I thought, you know, bankers, I don't go to the bank and deposit my money. And expect the banker every time I'm there to give me money management tips and say, you know, really, do you really want to write that check? Do you really want to use your debit card for that? You know, maybe you should rethink. I, I'm an expert in money and I'm going to tell you to do that. I'm, I might sign up and go find one. But every time I go to the bank, I don't have that interaction. Every time I deposit a check electronically. I don't have that interaction. Every time I use my debit card, my phone doesn't pop up and say, are you sure? So 
is this an unfair expectation to once again add to that plate of education? It, yes, there's a need for social emotion. Yes, we we have, but is it fair to? I don't want to say dump it, but to just throw it on all these schools and and teachers, and they've already got a lot coming at them. I, I'm getting excited. My horse is trying to get away from. Me. What do you think, Maya? Well, I don't think it's fair in the sense that teachers aren't prepared, right? So we bring programs in, and maybe there's a little development with them or introduction to it or whatever, but there's an expectation today coming back, you know, post COVID into classrooms that teachers are able to take care of their kids in this space. And so, no, I don't think it's fair because they're not prepared. And I think, you know, in our next episode, that's where the experts are going to talk about what that preparation might look like. But I do think it's fair in the sense that that's a key component of you know, your everyday interactions in a learning space. And so it's something that that teachers are positioned well to, you know, help kids learn. And so it's a matter of the teachers being prepared if this is going to be, you know, focused on so much, they have to be able to be prepared to work it into their teaching. Right. It's not just a matter of helping you know, Sally get along with her, her new friend so that they're not, you know, arguing or if they have a disagreement, how to work it out or whatever. It's, it's about kind of ramping it up to take care of that social emotional component of yourself and be able to interact with others in a positive way. And so I think COVID has changed the way we view this and, and because we're all feeling it right. And kids are across the nation in really in a mental health crisis, right? There's a lot going on in that space. But, you know, you talked about the bank. No, I don't expect the bank to give me financial advice unless I ask for it. But that's not the context of that space. It's a transactional interaction, right? I'm going to go to the bank to put my money in. But in classrooms, it's a space of learning. So, I don't know. I I guess I take a view of being a little more holistic in teaching the child rather than the subjects. And you know, I think it it feeds into that idea of reimagining education. You know, Wyoming's in that space right now. What should school look like? What should learning look like? So maybe this is a part of that conversation. Does Wyoming curriculum attend to this part of the learning of, you know, growing up as a, a child through the public education system. I don't know. What do you think about how those pieces all fit together, James? Ooh, doggies. I just think these, we, we could ride around on these horses all day talking about this. When I was listening to the, the end of what you said there before I'll, you know, get the horse to go backwards there. I think about the banker, but when we think about that specialization, when you think about the doctor, if you go to the doctor, Somebody draws their blood. The doctor gets the results. They give you that information. They say, you know what? Maybe you have high cholesterol. Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you know what? We need to you you need to go see a nutritionist. And the nutritionist says, well, here's what you need to do. And these are the kinds. Of, so we've got these pieces in place. In education, 
it is very much like you walk through the door. A first grade teacher should be able to fix your wounds, um, literally your wounds, bandages, all those things, take CPR, take care of all that stuff. They need to be able to diagnose you social, emotional, help all those things. Every question you have, I should be able to help you. And I need to be an expert in reading, writing, and math. And nobody wants to fund all these positions for education, but it does come back to, I, I still come back to this idea where we have to answer, are we putting unfair expectations on very select group of people as far as teachers being the, the master of all these traits? And, and the other part that you talked about, when we think about these skills, if, if you are social, emotional balance, you, you have a good background, you have a good understanding of yourself and how to interact with people, the world looks a lot different. All we have to do is turn on the news and watch the, watch the legislature at the national level argue with each other, each other on a daily basis. And we see that, you know, adults don't have the greatest social, emotional aptitude as well. But if we listen to our community, if we listen just as yourself at the college level, students coming out of high school, they're not being, they're not, we're not being told, well, we wish they knew how to write a C or we wish they knew how to do two plus four. They could do a little bit better at math. Really what we're being told over and over and over again is we need skills where they can interact with people. We need them. so. Communities are asking, businesses are asking basically for us to teach social emotional because that's what they're saying. We can teach them the other things. But if they come in and they don't know how to interact with people, they don't know how to show up for, you know, on time for work, they don't know how to have a disagreement with somebody. You know what? We we can't, we don't want to spend the time doing that because they should already know that. So it's this interesting dilemma, which brings me back to a point that, you know, I'll let my horse, you know kick it back to you to, to kind of look at this when we think about should academics be used to teach SEL or should SEL be used as the basics and academics are worked into SEL learning? Well, James, my horse just dead stopped in his path because that is kind of a revolutionary idea, right? It takes that idea of what the curriculum in public school should look like and flips it on its head. It, it, it takes the, the content and puts it secondary. Right. And, you know, I watching that transition of students from high school to college. And so much of that is, you know, how do I self-regulate my time? How do I, you know, take care of different needs that I have? How do I, interact with my teachers, right? And I think that's a really, really hard thing for a lot of students because it's new to them in a way that, you know, and it's part of that, like, you know, adulting, right? Growing up, taking care of yourself in a new space, but it's unfair to ask them to do all that if they don't have the skills for it, right? Or even have an introduction to the skills. And so I like what you're saying about should public education be teaching some fundamental, I don't know what you would even call them, right? I guess I'll just use the word skills, but some fundamental skills that enable you to learn the content, right? 
So I can manage my time. I can read for understanding. I can discern between, you know, viable information and and not viable information. I can, I have these problem solving and self-management skills to be able to take on the math or the English or the science or the whatever. And, you know, that's a really interesting approach that, that thinks about education and what the students need and what society needs first, and then the academics. And I think that that goes against a lot of what people are, are trying to do is they're trying to find that feeling of normalcy, right, in our world today. They want to just talk about math and science and English because that's what we used to do. So yeah, my horse is standing here. His ears are going back and forth. He's like, I don't know about this. Um, but I think it's a really, really interesting piece to add to this conversation. Um, and I think I'm going to have to really think about that because I, I like that vision of preparing kids in a kind of a different way for where they're headed, still in that learning and academic space, but approaching it really differently. And, you know, when we, when we think about, are we willing to look at some of these things differently? And, and the challenge here, and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, as, as we look ahead to our conversation next week as well, but the challenge here is who's going to make the decisions on this? Who's going to lead the charge? Who's going to define the rules? Well, how do we deal? Do we want the federal government to? Do we want the our state governments to? Do we want this to be legislated as with some other controversial issues, whether they can or can't be taught or that this curriculum should be taught? And taking that local, you know, community level decision making out of it, it really becomes a, an important topic. Well, James, I think that you're you're putting that plug in about teachers, community members, whoever's listening to our podcast to exercise their voice, right? We've had several um, episodes previous to this that have provided venues and opportunities for for people to say something about education and share those views. And, you know, I feel like what you're saying now is that call to act. Get excited, get your ideas going and, you know, bring them. Wyoming is asking for that input. So I think we're in a unique situation. I have never been in a state where someone has asked me what I wanted public education to look like, and it's my profession. So I think that this is a unique opportunity. So maybe we should be having these deep thinking and conversations about what it could be that's really, you know, outside the the norm. What's best for our kids? Well, it takes me back to this idea of uh, as a young teacher, as a young coach, uh, when I started, uh, one of my mentors said, either you tell your story or somebody else tells it for you. And as education, we've been, we, we get under attack a lot for a lot of different things, whether it's local or, or national. But in this conversation, we need to be able to have a conversation and we need to be able to share ideas and listen to other people's ideas, listen to people's ideas that maybe aren't right in line with mine. But if we're not talking, if we're not thinking, if we're not trying to, in a sense, change this, solve it, make it better, then somebody else will. 
And so as as our horses are are kind of coming to an end of our ride today, I just I, I really want to you know echo what Maya just said. This is a call to action, not revolt or crazy, but a call to listen, a call to talk, a call. I wow, we almost sound like a Beatles song going on these horses right now. But it's a call to get involved. Because if you're not getting involved, then education, much like our students, is just being done to you. So we need to have those voices in there, and we need to be part of this process. But we've came to the end of our ride today. And we are really excited about next week's ride. It's going to take this a little different direction with a little different opinions. So we just shook that hornet nest. But you know what? Let's just head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Head them up. Move them on. Cowboy Ed. On the run. <laughs>